Welcome back to another edition of the Pegcast. I'm your host, Michael Pagan, joined alongside Southbury Wolves play-by-play, Mike Karafilidis. Mike, welcome to the Pegcast. Thank you again for coming on. No problem, Mike. Thanks for having me, buddy. Earlier on during this pandemic, a lot of people indulged in Netflix. What did you do to keep yourself busy? <laughs> lots, well, lots of lots of Netflix as well. Uh, lots of pretty much hanging around with my son. I have uh, and the wife, of course. I have uh, a son that's going to be two years old soon. So, um, yeah, just pretty much played with him. Played a lot of peekaboo. Uh, that's probably his favorite thing to do. Um, probably about four hours a day of peekaboo. And uh, just hang, hung out with the family and uh, did what I had to do around here, right? Had to keep the family happy and keep the safety precautions going. A lot of Netflix, of course. Uh, watch, a lot of, watch a lot of movies, which I wouldn't normally watch because um, you got pretty much you got a lot of time in your hands, right? Uh, but that's uh, pretty much it, yeah. And what is your favorite movie genre? Favorite movie right now? Favorite movie uh, genre? So, like, you know, action... Uh, oh. comedy, that stuff. I like everything. I like everything. Give me a good action movie. Give me a good comedy movie. Give me a good horror movie. Unlike all the horror movies these days, I, I don't like the horror movies these days. I think they're all kind of superficial, if you ask me. Um, if, you, if you go to the horror movies, say, in the 90s or the 80s, like I just watched, um, I taped them, Jason Friday the 13th. I don't know if you've ever been to any of those kind of things, right? My wife, she won't even watch them. I just watch them late night when she goes to sleep, right? Otherwise, you know, she'll be freaking out. But anyway, besides that, um, you know, I'm into those kind of horror movies. Comedies, I love comedy, of course. Who doesn't like a good laugh, right? And uh, dramas, yeah, give me a good drama. Like, and I'll, I'll watch anything just as long as I'm uh, uh, I'm indul- in, indulged in it and I'm good, yeah. With the NHL uh, action back on, has that brought normalcy back into your life? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, in the beginning uh, with the NHL, when it came back, I was kind of, well, it's not going to be the same without fans watching it on TV and whatnot. Um, but I got into it, you know. It, 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 t- it took a little time, a little adjustment as a fan to watch it uh, because there is no fans, of course. But uh, the guys are really playing hard. I mean, I... Uh, that are playing and uh, the, the teams that are playing in the NHL. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, it took me a while to get back into it, but I've gotten back into it now and I love it. And yes, it's uh, getting me back into hockey and uh, the NHL, that's for sure. Well, I just find it very surprising that these players only had one week, uh, you know, of development really uh, to get back up to what, uh, you know, what we expect as fans uh, for playoff performance. And just to say it short, it's very incredible uh, the amount of work these players put in. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The work. And, and you look at it this way, too. There hasn't been one positive COVID test, too, right? Uh, these guys are doing what they're supposed to do. They're staying in the bubble, of course, in Toronto and in Edmonton. And uh, kudos to them and kudos to the NHL for putting on a great product right now uh, with what they're doing with no COVID tests, of course. Everybody getting tested before they come in. Uh, training staff, commentators, uh, whatnot. Uh, just a heck of a job by the NHL. It's been doing great. Has your whole perception of the coronavirus changed since March? Uh, no, it's, I mean, I'm still always going to be on guard. I'm always going to be wearing my mask when I go out. Uh, if I have to go somewhere, if I have to go to the store, pretty much, uh, I mean, go to the store, go to the gas station, you have to pay, uh, whatnot. Yeah, I'm always going to be wearing my mask. I'm always going to be uh, going six feet apart. And you know what? Now I got sanitizer in my car, right? And all the time, I'm always sanitizing and, 
and uh, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, doing my part. I mean, so um, it, if I, I don't know if we, if we, I mean, we talked about this off the air kind of thing, I guess, but if everybody does what they're supposed to be doing, I don't think, I think hopefully everything should be okay within Ontario at least and in getting, Canada. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's okay. And in Canada as well, I was going to say. Getting into your story a bit here, who is your biggest influence for you to go into broadcasting? Wow, good question. My goodness. Um, there, there was a lot of uh, people. I mean, Bob Cole, of course, the NHL, uh, uh, you know, on, on CBC, whatever. Uh, he was the guy pretty much that I grew up with. And I used to watch him and I used to tape myself and um, uh, commentating games when I was when I was a kid. Right. on the old recorder button. And uh, I've, I've always been into commentating, but he would probably be my biggest influence. I mean, all the work that he's done uh, with the Leafs, the voice that he has, the delivery. Um, there's a bunch of guys. There's him. I, I shouldn't say there's him. Uh, there's, there's Pat Foley in Chicago. I, I'm really a big fan of Pat Foley's as well. I remember listening to him when he was on the radio uh, before, a long time ago. Uh, Joe Bowen, of course, the voice of the Leafs. Uh, I mean, man, oh, man, you, if you can't get into him, you can't get into anybody as far as I'm concerned. He's unbelievable, Joe Bowen, uh, another influence. I mean, there's there's lots of guys that are influenced that uh, have influenced me uh, growing up, and those are probably the main guys. What were some of the challenges that you faced early on? Um, early on, earlier on uh, in a, in uh, in broadcasting, you're talking yeah. about, right? Okay, um, probably getting that position. I mean, it's so hard because you have to keep grinding. Um, because I'll start off, I mean, with myself, I started off being just a volunteer, uh, for Rogers TV. And all I did was camera work, right? I just did camera work just on the side, just fun things, you know, whatnot, a long time ago. And I, like I said, I always wanted to be a commentator. And I remember one time I said to the, uh, Guelph Storm producer, I said, you know what? I go, do you mind if I go up to the booth and sit? with these guys and kind of learn, sit beside them kind of thing. And, and she was like, yeah, no problem. Right. And I said, okay, you know, thank you very much and whatnot. And then I went up, uh, talked to them and one guy, uh, up there, really good guy, Steve Fitzsimmons. He's the voice of the, uh, uh, Guelph storm on uh, Guelph storm TV for Rogers TV. Uh, he was up there and, you know, talking to him and, you know, really good guys. And that's when I started to, kind of get my feet wet well not really get my feet well but just sit beside them that's where it started and then um i wanted to get into it and then i started they gave me a shot doing minor stuff i mean doing minor hockey i mean peewee hockey doing basketball uh, uh doing some basketball doing some football you know i called a couple of oua games as well uh for waterloo for rogers T or so waterloo for laurier on rogers tv um and then I started filling in, doing all that kind of stuff. And then um, I started filling in, uh, doing my first fill in was actually with the Kitchener Rangers. And I give a lot of uh, credit to uh, one of the producers, or is not a producer anymore, his name's Steve Gibson. And he gave me that shot and he said, Hey, man, he goes, You know what? Like, you know, you've worked really hard and, and whatnot, grinded it out. Do you want to step in as a host? Right. I said, Yeah, okay, no problem. So I started doing the hosting and then. I, I moved up to um, uh, doing color, color commentary with the Kitchener Rangers. And then I uh, just filled in, though. I was just filling in, like I said. I didn't have that full-time gig. And then I filled in for them. 
And uh, I learned a lot, of course, uh, through the guys that worked for Kitchen Rangers TV um, and whatnot through the industry. And um, and then after that, I at Guelph Storm, I did some Guelph Storm stuff. Um, I hosted with the Guelph Storm um, a couple games. Um, I didn't do any color with the Guelph Storm, but I did do play-by-play with the Kitchen Rangers. Actually, just came to me now. Uh, they have that one tournament before the year, which didn't happen this year, obviously, with the uh, Americans teams coming down. It's like uh, it's like a big thing. Um, Saginaw comes, North Bay, whatnot. So I did play-by-play for that, uh, for the OHL. So, um, yeah, and then I just moved up from there. And then, um, yeah, and then I got the call from the Wolves, and uh, here I am. So, and it's just been an unbelievable, <clears throat> unbelievable time with the Sudbury Wolves, that's for sure. Like you mentioned, it is a complete grind uh, to get to where you are today. How were you able to keep your head up when the going got tough? Well, you always got to keep your head up, right? I mean, you know, it's not just it's not just me, I guess, the way I look at it. It's everybody else too, right? You know, everybody's got to grind. And uh, especially when things get tough during, you know, what's going on with COVID and whatnot. Um, you always try to better yourself, I guess. And I was always another thing I did too to try to better myself was uh, I would listen to a lot of my broadcasts. And now you have the time to think back and say, okay, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. I'm always trying to get better. And I'm always, you know, that's how I kept my head up as well. Um, and just thinking positive. You always got to be positive, right? You can never uh, be down on yourself. Uh, that's for sure, especially um, in this business. This is what I've learned so far. Um, just keep the grind going, and uh, that's pretty much it right there, yeah. When people mention uh, the Sudbury Wolves, a lot of people recognize the name of Quinton Byfield, who is a top three pick alongside of Tim Stutzla of Alder Mannheim in the DEL and Alexis Lafreniere, as we all know, in the QMJHL. How fortunate are you to call games for a future top three pick? (laughs) Spoiled. (laughs) That's the word, spoiled. Big time spoiled. Been spoiled the last couple of years calling uh, Quinton Byfield. Uh, I mean, what a, what a player and what a, what a guy and uh, the guy's a, the guy's a pro. The guy's just a uh, just a true pro. I mean, comes about, he does his business, um, and he's very approachable. He's you know he's not he's a very very nice kid. He comes from a very good family. I know his mother and father as well. I see them on the uh, on the road. Uh, very nice people. Uh, but he's man, he's got an upside to his game, and um, it's going to be interesting to see who goes second, him or Stutzel, uh, as you mentioned, of course, from the German league. But uh, if if the Kings get Quinton Byfield, they're getting the total package. I think they're getting a more uh, complete player. And you got to remember too that Quinton Byfield is a year younger than most of these guys going into this draft, right? So he's got that full year to even get even stronger and and faster right i mean and physically yeah. mature absolutely absolutely and physically mature and that's one thing about quinton byfield to a good point mike that he's very very mature and he's very physically mature and he's getting better with the physical game and he's just going to get better right so uh i think the kings they would they would be uh and benefit to them if they pick <laughs> pick quinton byfield over stutzel that's my opinion at least did Sudbury really face any struggles when Quinn Byfield made the World Junior Team? They did at first. Yeah, they did at first. They they weren't uh, they weren't winning um, in the beginning uh, when he was gone to the World Juniors. Of course, uh, the team looked like they're still kind of still trying to gel, 
And then it was interesting that I would call it maybe two games before he, no, yeah, two games before he came back. I can't remember what game it was for the life of me right now, but uh, they played so well and it was a big comeback. Against, yeah, okay, it was a big comeback against the Barry Coles. They were down four to nothing without Quinton Byfield, and uh, three nothing, sorry. And then the Wolves came back to win, I believe, six to four. And that game was at Barry. And I think that was the turning point, actually, that little road trip, too, because the game before that, uh, Byfield, when he first came back, he got hurt, don't forget as well. Uh, he got hurt in Oshawa. And the team really started to come together, and they just played really well. Kind of like and, rallying around him. Big time, yeah. And that's the character of this Sudbury Wolves team. I mean, everybody's got each other's back from coaching staff. I mean, top of the line, Corey Stillman, Daryl Moxham, Zach Sortini, to management, uh, Rob Papineau, of course, uh, the uh, GM, the vice president of the Wolves, to CEO Scott Lund. I mean, Dario Zuich, the older owner. These guys do a heck of a job keeping everybody together. Um, it's just a team thing. And they rallied around Quinton Byfield, and they really played well. And then when Byfield came back, which was even bonus after his injury, I mean, man, they were just ready and ready and ready to keep that pedal to the metal and and make that big run until, of course, we have this unfortunate pandemic. Quinn Byfield, you know, uh, he wasn't getting the ice time he was used to in Sudbury. Do you expect him to kind of assume a larger role for this year's upcoming World Junior team? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at it this way, um, Alexis Lafreniere. Uh, his for well, his year at 17 when he played with Team Canada, right? He didn't really play that much, if you remember. And he had a really, really soft tournament, as they said, and, and whatnot. Underperformed um, to all the hype. Exactly, right? And so Quinton Byfield, he went in there, but he was a young guy. And, and don't forget, they had a lot of older guys in that Team Canada team. So Quinton was kind of, I guess you could say, kind of relegated to like you know, the third, fourth line kind of thing. So the experience that he got, you know, he didn't, I look at it this way, he didn't look down at say, hey, you know what, I got the third, fourth line, oh no, like, I'm not good enough kind of thing, right? It was a star-studded lineup. Absolutely, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So then, you know, he didn't look at it in a bad way. He came back to Sudbury, and he just ripped it up, right, after that, and still kept going, right? And that's the type of player he is, with the focus and the intensity that he has. So I expect this year, for him to even have a bigger role in this world junior team, that's for sure, because he's just getting bigger, he's getting stronger, and he's just that kind of guy where he's so mature, and he's just that complete player, and he's going to be unbelievable for Team Canada. With Quinn being a year younger than most of these draft-eligible players, like you mentioned, do you expect him to come back to Sudbury to physically mature and just get more development under his belt? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I... I would like to see him come back, of course. All Sudbury Wolves fans would say the same thing, and Sudbury Wolves broadcasters, of course. Um, we would like to see him come back, but hey, if if the Kings think he's ready, then that's up to the NHL team, right? I mean, but um, I could see him being ready. I could see him coming back to junior. That's all up in the air right now, so that's just a wait-and-see kind of thing. You've called Quinn's game since he broke into the league in 2018. Mm-hmm. How has his game grown since then? Well, he's learned how to play the, the full the full 200-foot game, Mike. I'll tell you, in the beginning when he first started, and I'll say this all the time to everybody that I talk to, um, he just pretty much knew how, how to play offense. He wasn't really 
that guy that can come back and play defense as well, the, the full game, right? The full 200-foot game, like I said. So, And he gives a lot of that credit to Corey Stillman. Corey Stillman, of course, former each other. I mean, he's won two Stanley Cups, right? <laughs> and, and, and one of the, uh, the best coach in the OHL, as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm not being biased. Maybe it might be a little bit, but anyway. Um, yeah, no, he learned how to play that 200-foot game. And with him and Daryl Moxham and Stax Tortini, did a great job of, uh, or sorry, it was, yeah, Daryl Moxham last year. Uh, and and even Bud Stefanski, who was assistant coach last year, because it was Zach Stratini's first year this year. But anyway, those three last year and these three this year have taught him to play that 200-foot game. And Quinton is the type of guy, he will give credit to them for teaching him how to play the 200-foot game. And that's where he's gotten a lot better right now. Just you, how – I'm oh, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, and you could put him out in any situation on the on the ice as well. Like, you know, he'll, he'll play, he could play the penalty kill. They'll put him out there. He's the number one guy for the power plays. The number one guy when you're three on three, right? I mean, he's he's the guy. He's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Just how important is it to have coaches that have that NHL playoff experience, like you mentioned? Yeah. I mean, you look at the Corey Stillman. He's probably – I'll start off with Corey Stillman. I guess I'll go through the three coaches. Uh, Corey Stillman, of course, you know, like, like I just said, he's won two Stanley Cups, and he's probably one of the most humblest, nicest guys you ever meet in your life. And he can relate to the players uh, just as much as anybody. Hey, he's tough on them, but he's fair, right? Just like any coach, right? Yeah. Uh, and he's he's got that thing in him because, you know, and the players know, you know, like this is Corey talking. Corey knows what he's talking about. He's, he's unbelievable. And uh, Daryl Moxham, I mean, he didn't make it to the NHL, or our associate coach of the Sudbury Wolves, but uh, he was in the OHL, of course, he played for the Peterborough Peets. Uh, another guy that takes a very, very uh, taught Quinton defense as well, unbelievable. And of course, Zach Sortini, his first year as a Sudbury Wolves coach this year, what a job he's done. Such a humble guy, too. Uh, and and uh, you get those, those minds together, those NHL minds. And they just want to teach the guys. You see them doing video with them one-on-one all the time, especially with Quinton, uh, with everybody, uh, talking to them, expect, telling them ex- uh, what they expect from them, uh, the video, the, the meetings, uh, the practices. I mean, the, it's just run. Everything's run at first class uh, with, this, uh, with this Wolves team. Kind of creating like a nucleus in some absolutely, form. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you look at Stillman. Uh, Stillman, he came aboard. This is his, I think this is going to be his fourth year coaching the team, right? Uh, when he came aboard, you know, they, they said they wanted to start a new culture in Sudbury. They wanted to start a new winning, start a winning culture, get the fans back in the stands and whatnot, right? Sudbury's got probably one of the best fans, one of the best fan bases in the OHL. So, you know, Rob Papineau said he wanted to do that. The vice president, GM, as well as owner Dara Zulich and, and uh, CEO Scott Lund. They said, look, we want to start, you know, getting these guys in and, or, gets this guy coaching staff in that knows how to win and can relate with the players. And they, they hired Stillman. That's been the best thing that's, that's uh, happened for the coaching staff of the Sudbury Wolves for, for these past uh, two years, three years, well, ever since he's come aboard, right? I mean, the development of these players has been unbelievable with these guys. What rookie on the Wolves has really impressed you this year? Um, rookie, probably Chase Stillman. Probably Chase Stillman on the Wolves. Of course, that's Corey Stillman's uh, son, uh, Chase. Uh, he was close to being uh, – he was – man, he he was getting a lot more ice time near the end of the season kind of thing, and his father was starting to trust him. But the thing is, uh, Corey never 
treated Chase any differently than he would treat anybody else. Kind of like a coach's kid is what you're trying to say. Yeah, he never did. He never he co- he he treated him like he would treat everybody else, and that's and that's that's the thing, right? And uh, Chase had a great year this year. Lots of man. I don't know if you saw that one play against North Bay. It was probably one of the plays of the year when he just made the North Bay defenseman just look silly. And he went. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it just kind of if you if you Google that or uh, Google that after YouTube, and I'm sure it's on there, but. Uh, I expect him to have even a, better, a bigger year this year and a bigger part for this Wolves team going in at 17 years old. So uh, he he really impressed me this year, Chase Dillman. His maturity too, uh, the way he's able to talk uh, to me, especially in interviews. I always call him the most mature 16-year-old I've ever met in my life. I always say that to him. He just laughs, right? So uh, he's just going to get better. The Wolves, you know, would have had a playoff spot had the season continued, and I think they would have went up against the Barry Colts. It was looking like that. How intense would have that series been? Oh, if they played Barry, oh, that's a big rivalry, right? I mean, if they, they play the Barry Colts, I think, 10 times a year, something like that. So uh, not too far away. It's only like three three hours away, and, and that's a big rivalry, and it's always has been in the Central Division. Uh, it would have been huge. would have been unbelievable. But, no, actually, I think if they – if the uh, the first round for the Wolves would have been against the Bulldogs in the first round, they would have been playing. So that would have been pretty good too. That would have been pretty good too. Not too far away, but if they played the Colts, man, that would have been unbelievable. That would have been hard hitting, uh, intensity, definitely seven games, intensity, possibly right, right, possibly seven games of intensity, hard hitting, scoring. You would have saw everything probably in that series. So if it got to uh, the Barry Colts, yeah, guaranteed. I, I would have loved to see that. To add to that scoring point there, you know, the OHL does have a high scoring rate. How do you as a broadcaster make sure you don't lose your voice? (laughs) That's a good question. Lots of water, buddy. Lots of water, Mike. Uh, Lots of water. Um, Fisherman's friend is my best friend. So I buy, I always buy like two packages and I always keep them on the side and stuff. And I, I, I pop them like they're candies, right? If I start to feel a little bit of something in my voice, there goes the fisherman's friend and I'm ready to go, right? <laughs> and lots of water, of course. And uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Fisherman's friend is my best friend. That's for sure. What excites you the most about calling playoff games? Oh, it's just the intensity, the playoff intensity, the fans. You hear the music when they come onto the ice, the way they... They hit each other when they're playing. It's just, it's just that playoff atmosphere. It's just unbelievable. And once I got, you know, for myself, getting to the arena, I'll talk about last year or the year before, uh, getting to the arena for a playoff game. It's just got that feeling, the smell, you know, of the ice. And you, you look, I always look on the ice. I think, oh, man, like playoffs is happening, right? And you just get, it gets you more pumped up. And I like to take Gives a you walk chills. around. Yeah, right? I like to take a little walk around in the beginning to kind of get that feeling, you know? So uh, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. I know that superstitions always kind of relate to players, but as a broadcaster yourself, do you have any superstitions? <laughs> yes. Good one. <clears throat> yes, I, I have a superstition with my ties. Okay. I wore this black tie. And the Wolves lost this year. Um, I they lost to Mississauga this year. So I had the I was wearing the black tie at the time. I never wore that tie again. So I always I always oh no. And I said I even said it on air. I said I will never wear this black tie <laughs> again. 
I said that on the air and, and my color guy just started laughing, right? And he said, well, you know, okay, well, we're going to get rid of that, right? You know, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have um, a couple ties that I wear. It's got to be two blue ones. I have one blue one and another blue one that I wear. Uh, other than that, it's always two ties, that's it. Because those are the ones they always seem to win with those ties. And I've won, I wore a gray tie one time and they lost. So the gray one and the black one, I'll never wear again. But, it, but it is time for a wardrobe change this year, just to say. So we'll so see. What, so what could we expect in that wardrobe change? <laughs> New shoes. New shoes, that's for sure. I'm going to get rid of the old black ones there to get a pair of nice brown ones. I need a pair of those and a couple more suits. Um, oh, I did have superstition with my suits as well. I only, only wore two suits. And uh, so I'm going to get a couple more, couple more new ones. And I'm looking forward to that. So just to get fitted in and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah, so. In the last five years, the Wolves have only made the playoffs twice. Yeah. In your perspective, what is missing from their blueprint to have consistent playoff success? Well, I mean, th this, let's look at it this year. Um, going into the playoffs, they look to be, Rob Papineau said it, and I'll say it as well. I guess I'll agree with him that he wanted to make the team tougher to play against, right? So he went out and made some good moves this year. Uh, or last year, I guess you could say. Now, it still seems like this year, right? But yeah, anyways. I know. It doesn't feel like it's over. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's over at all. But uh, he made some good moves. I mean, he brought in uh, uh, Picard from uh, Barry. Uh, he brought in Brad Chenier as well, uh, another good player. Uh, he brought in those two guys, and, you know, and uh, unbelievable. They were gritty, 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 gritty guys, right? And they really fitted in with this team with Blake Murray. Quinton Byfield, of course, uh, and with everybody, you know, and the defense, uh, defensive core was playing really well. But like I said, um, yeah, he wanted to add some grit. I think he did. I think going into the playoffs, they were really on that high where they they knew that they wanted to be tough to play against. Or they wanted to, they wanted to be tough to play against Rob Papadou. And he, he did a good job with the guys he acquired. I think they would have made a deep playoff run if it would have happened. What would it mean for you to be a part of a Sudbury Wolves team that did make the Mem oh. Cup? Oh, it would have been the would have meant the world to me. Oh my goodness, I was like, I think about that every day, every day. I think about that. Can you imagine? I was at the Mem Cup calling a game, or you know, it just always goes through my head, right? And calling a game for the Wolves, like how awesome would that be? Not just for me, for any any broadcaster, right? But. I, th I thought about that every day, especially this year in this playoff run, or if we would have went on the playoff run. I thought, you know what? This might happen, right? And, and you get pumped up, right? So, yeah, for sure. It would have been awesome. What's a typical game day for you? Ah, typical game day. Good question. I get there two hours before the game. I uh, usually am probably one of the first ones there. And I, unless something is going on with family, of course, or whatnot, or if there's an emergency or with work or whatever, my other job. Um, yeah, no. So I get there two hours before. I'll sit down. I'll grab the media booklet, which they give you in the media room. I go through all the um, the names, of course, and I go through my notes, you know, uh, who's hot, who's not, who, you know, who's been playing well lately, what's their record in their last 10 games, Who's been their guy that's been awesome for plus minus? Who's the guy that's been awesome on the penalty kill? You know, whatnot. There's lots of factors that I look into. Um, and then I go right up to the uh, the booth and I I, um, 
plug everything in, I guess you could say, set everything up for the broadcast, for the mixer. Um, and then I do a test on that. And uh, once that is good to go, and then I go back to my research. All it is is research. And then about half an hour before the game, I'll go right up to the booth, get all my stuff together. I put it all on the wall. I tape it, you know, tape the important stuff. And then the un- unimportant stuff, I throw it in the garbage. The unimportant stuff, because you don't want to be over, you don't, you don't want to over, um, over prepare, right? You have to have that fine line, I find, which I've learned. And uh, yeah, and then ready to go quarter to seven or 15 minutes before with the pregame show we always have and, and away we go. So I have my coffee there. I got my fisherman friend always on the side there to my left and I got my water and that's it. Away we go. This year with the NHL, you know, they aren't allowing uh, really any media uh, people to be inside the bubble. They're only allowing national media. So, you know, their specific teams are having to make the adjustment to have their commentators call games off monitors. Right. How big of an adjustment would that be for you if it were to happen? Oh, well, yeah, there'd be an adjustment, but it would just be, I guess it would be like, you know, since I was a kid, call, <laughs> calling the games on TV and recording myself, right? So that that probably probably it right there, but um, I I don't know what they're gonna do with the OHL. The, the plans are still coming. I'm pretty sure that they're gonna have commentators. I know the Quebec League, uh, they agreed to have 22 percent in the in the stands, right? And you look at it this way: the NHL can do those kind of things, right? And um, without fans in the stands, I'm talking about the OHL can't. Because it's a gate-driven league, right? Exactly, yeah. It's a gate-driven league. And they're going to need as much, in my opinion, as much um, exposure to the game with radio and TV. Um, I'm sure they're going to accommodate us in what fashion. It still remains to be seen. So that still remains to be seen. If you were to pitch some ideas to create as normal of a season as possible, what would be some ideas? Normal season as possible. Well, I would go... 50% in the stands. I would go 50 for sure. I would go everybody with mask, of course. And if you're not wearing your mask, I would have double the security. And if you're not wearing your mask, you're out, right? You're gone. That would be probably normalcy right there. Um, I would not sell alcohol, of course, in the stands. Um, I would make it 50%. Uh, just have the food and whatnot. And uh, if everybody does their part, with the 50% in the stands, I'm, it, the way I would do it, then I'm sure everything would be okay. And take the temperature at the door. I would do that as well. You know, one of the special things uh, the CHL does is the teddy bear toss game, a game that us fans, commentators, players do love. You know, how special is it to call those games? I actually do the road game. So I, I didn't do the home one when they played Erie. Um, I did the teddy bear toss game when they played Barry. I think it was Barry this year. I can't, man. Yeah, I think it was Barry. So it's a, it's a long uh, wait and stuff, but it uh, gives you time to talk about things and, uh, and whatnot. But the teddy bear toss to be a part of it, it's, it's, it's unreal. And you know that all those bears are going for a good cause as well. That makes it even better, right? You know, so uh, it, it's unbelievable. You mentioned that it does take a long time to clean up the bears. How do you, how do you yourself as a broadcaster keep the fans engaged? Oh, well, you, you talk about the bears. Here comes this kind of a bear. Here comes uh, here comes a teddy bear. Or, uh, look, you know, the, uh, there's a Care Bear in there or something, you know, and then you keep the fans engaged and, and talk about what, you know, like I said, like what um, 
organization these these bears are going to of course it's always for a good cause um and you look at and uh, talk about those kind of things and you talk about the game what's going on when we come back this is what we're going to you know be looking at and who's playing well right now and what do the wolves uh, usually have a segment you know kind of like you know what do the wolves have to do better in this period so i would say okay hey what do the wolves have to do better right now to or what are they doing well at and what do they have to do better of uh, moving forward in this game so just kind of keep going on that and that's where you need a good color commentator right if you have a good color commentator with that then you could just kind of bounce off each other and um, so yeah so uh, that's probably what that would be it right there last question here on the podcast do you have any advice for aspiring uh, sports broadcasters absolutely keep grinding keep grinding and then communicating and and uh just keep doing what you love and don't, I mean, don't, uh, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. If your dream is to be a, a sports broadcaster, don't give up because if you give up, then that's it. You got to keep grinding in this business. I find. And, uh, if you keep grinding and if you get the people that are going to like you, Hey, don't get me wrong. There's going to be people out there that are going to say, uh, to you, you know, uh, that don't like you. There's going to be people that like you. There's going to be people that don't like you. Everyone's not, not going to like you, but you just got to keep grinding. Right. And uh, that's the advice I would give to everybody. Just keep grinding and everything will be fine. Be positive. And, and uh, that's it. Yeah, for sure. I like to thank Sudbury Wolves play-by-play Mike Carafilidis for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you again, Mike. Hey, my pleasure, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Keep, keep safe, buddy.